Hi, so this is Krista with Moms Find Truth, and this is our first podcast. I'm so excited. Uh, So in the future, I'm hoping that the podcast will be more centered around uh, what y'all are interested in. You can check out the Moms Find Truth uh, Facebook page or Instagram, and um, I'd love to hear any topics you'd like for me to cover or uh, questions that you have, Um, and that's going to be more of my focus in the future, but today, being our first podcast, it's going to be a little bit more about me, just so you can know who I am and what brought me here. So let me tell you a little bit about myself. I grew up in a Christian homeschooled home with a wonderful mom and dad. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. I loved uh, the atmosphere I grew up in, and I never doubted for a minute that uh, I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom or that I wanted to homeschool my kids. And uh, when I graduated high school, I uh, became a cosmetologist at 18, and I worked full-time at that for the next seven years. Now, Upon turning 24, I uh, was not married and didn't have really any potentials, as you might say. And I just, I really had a desire to get married and to start the next season of my life. And so I was working probably 50 to 60 hour days and involved in several ministries and just didn't have a lot of Um, availability to go out and seek a partner, per se. And so I decided to try out eHarmony. And two days later, I met uh, my future husband. And then 11 months after that, we were married. And uh, so I can honestly suggest eHarmony to anyone who has on their heart that that might be a good option for them. Now, that was 2014 when we got married. And uh, since then has been quite full. Uh, Before I go into more detail in the story, I'll just give you a general timeline. So 2014, uh, we got married. 2015, we bought our first house. 2016, we had our Heidi, our first child. 2017, we had Daniel. In 2018, we moved from Florida to Illinois with my husband's job. In 2019, we moved from one place in Illinois to another place in Illinois. In 2020, we moved from Illinois to Georgia had our third child two weeks after moving, and then four weeks after having our third child, Charlie, uh, lockdown, COVID, yada, 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 started. Okay, then 2021, we had Rosie, number four. 2022, we moved from Georgia back down to Florida. And now 2023, We just moved from one home in Florida to another home in Florida. 
And no, my husband's not in the military. <laughs> People ask me that a lot. But no, we just, in this economy, I'm sure most of y'all can understand, trying to find a job for him that supports an ever-growing family in a difficult economy can take moving around and being flexible sometimes. All right, so let's go through that timeline one more time, but a little bit more detail. So we got married, and then one month later, we found out that we were pregnant. And um, unfortunately, we miscarried 12 weeks after that. So our first baby uh, is in heaven. Six weeks later, I was pregnant again, and uh, thankfully carried to full term and had Heidi at nine and a half pounds. Now you'll see, I have some big babies that, that didn't necessarily seem like an issue at the get-go because I myself was 10 and a half pounds when I was born. I am 5'11". My husband is big, broad-shouldered guy at 6'2". And so I kind of assumed I'd make big babies. 13 months after Heidi was born, uh, Daniel was born and at 11 pounds. And yes, they were both born naturally. <laughs> so that was an experience. So another, the next big milestone in our life was when Daniel was two months old. And we have to pardon my voice. You might be hearing it crack a little bit. I am just getting over a cough. So when Daniel was two months old, he got eczema. And he uh, he got it quite quite intensely. Um, it was actually the worst that that particular doctor had seen. It was head to toe. He was just miserable. We had to bound him up and just keep him from scratching to the point of bleeding. And um, he spent a lot of time on uh, borderline infected. The doctor prescribed high doses of steroid cream. Uh, bleach baths, um, wet wraps, all the things. And it didn't touch it. And uh, he even sent us to a, a specialist. The specialist that we went to uh, described himself and his specialty on his website as being a specialist in pediatric skin issues, such as eczema because that's obviously a huge pediatric skincare issue. And so this was like the best of the best in the state. He prescribed an even higher dose of steroid cream. And then after that didn't touch it either, uh, he said, essentially, you're going to have to wait for him to grow out of it. Now this, Daniel's still like six months old at the time. And uh, the doctor was saying he'll probably outgrow it when he's three or four. So you have to understand, this is head to toe. This is covering his face. We're living in Florida. And we're having to keep him wrapped up just so he's not constantly bleeding and causing himself to get infected. Waiting three to four years for this to go was not an option to me. And I asked that specialist, so I'm nursing him. Could it be something in my diet? Maybe if I cut something, could that help? And <clears throat> this doctor said, verbatim, no, 
we've proven that food has nothing to do with eczema. And so I was like, okay, kind of a little bit relieved because the foods that I was thinking I might need to cut, <laughs> I wanted to keep eating selfishly. But I still had a remnant of doubt that I couldn't seem to get out of my head. I was like, this isn't, we're not settling here. We're not waiting this one out. And I'm not convinced that food isn't involved. So at that point, I started researching. I didn't know where to start. I didn't know at all where to look. I knew nothing about healing diets or any anything, any of this. But I believe the Lord gave me direction. And I was able to start finding out information about healing diets, elimination diets, which for those of you who don't know, elimination diet is where you reduce the number of foods you're eating. It's kind of like, um, you know, I'm assuming most of my listeners are moms. You're kind of told when your infants start eating to introduce one food at a time. So you can see that if any of them bothers the baby. Well, the elimination diet is kind of the same. You reduce foods to the bare minimum, the number of different kinds of food being consumed, and then you stay on that for a couple of weeks or so, ideally until the symptoms that are problematic are reduced, and then you add food one at a time and see what causes a flare. So, but the, the thing is, is there's a lot of different foods that can cause problems. It all depends on the individual system. Pretty much any food can potentially cause a problem. So the trick is, especially when you do an elimination diet with kids, is finding a diet that gives them enough nutrients, but yet eliminates enough food groups that you can figure out what's causing the problem. In the first several diets that I tried, didn't, did not hit that mark. And so I was having, I had him and our entire family on a very healing diet, start fermenting our own foods, cooking everything from scratch, trying to get organic grass-fed sources, uh, making our own bone broth, and of course, having to figure out how to make this diet appealing to a one and a two-year-old. So that, that was uh, a learning and growing time for sure. Well, then when uh, Daniel was one, Heidi was two, we moved to Illinois. There just weren't a lot of job prospects for my husband where we were at in Florida. And um, with a growing family and now a growing family, eating a rather pricey, healthy diet we needed to search out better job options. So we moved to Illinois, but uh, still we're struggling. So about a year after moving to Illinois, this whole time I was continuing to research and trying different diet options, just trying to figure out what was causing his skin issues, continuing to try to continuously wrap him and keep him from infection. So that that's an ongoing thing throughout a little bit more of this story. But about a year into being in Illinois, we wanted to start thinking about having another child, but we just were not there financially. So we downsized, moved to a very small apartment, and I got a job 
as a, a nanny, full-time nanny. Not a live-in nanny, just full-time during the day. And it was a nanny position where they wanted they wanted their kids to be at home with a nanny, but they wanted um, a lot of socializing. So they liked the idea of a nanny with kids. And so I, I was working, uh, leave the house with kids in tow around 7.30 in the morning, get home around 6, 6.30 at night. And uh, during the day, I was taking care of my kids and their kids. So it was four kids, uh, three and under. Heidi was the oldest of the kids. And um, I was taking care of their house. And then when I got home, I was taking care of our house and continuing this healing from scratch diet, continuing to research new elimination diets, still trying to figure out the root issue of his skin issue, skin condition. And uh, the healing diet had begun to help, but I could tell there was still a trigger going on that we had not located yet. Uh, and so it was a very busy time. And during that time, I gained, I would not, <laughs> just to be for real, I would not redo that time for anything in the world. But now that it's behind me, I'm very thankful for it. Uh, I learned a lot during that time. I find that as moms, we're capable of a lot more than we often give ourselves credit for. And I feel like in each stage of life, we kind of look at a different stage, maybe an up upcoming stage, and think, I don't, I'm having a hard time handling what I've got right now. I don't even know how I'm going to handle whatever could come in the future. You know, a lot of first time moms, and I was there when I was a first time mom, you know, we think this, this baby, I love it to death, but it's turned my world upside down. It's overwhelming on every single level. I don't even know how I could add more kids. How could I handle that? And, you know, when I was having two young kids moving across the country away from family and support and having to figure out, you know, this from scratch diet and trying to heal my son, I was so overwhelmed. Imagine taking on a full-time job as a nanny, taking care of two more kids and continuing all, everything with my own family. I wouldn't be able to fathom that. But we're, again, we're capable of more than we realize. And each and every time that we're faced with another level of need from our family, we can match it. We can do it. We're amazing. I'm not trying to toot my own horn. I'm trying to say, let's never downplay the ability of moms. What we can handle when it's thrown at us, our ability to multitask, our ability to do one of the most important jobs on earth and take whatever it throws at us. And if you ever doubt that, if you're ever in the midst of a season or about to face a season that you are having a hard time figuring out how to control, that's what I want to be here for because I've been there. I faced it where literally day to day, 
I didn't know how I was going to finish what needed to be done the next day. I doubted that I would be able to continue to maintain what I needed to maintain. But I did. And there's two huge parts of that. One is the Lord's blessing and provision in my life. And the second is learning to always focus on the foundation of my home and continue to learn to help it run like a well-oiled machine. Using systems, using routines, using efficiency methods. And those are all things that through trial and error, through moments of overwhelm and desperation, I had to teach myself. I had to learn. I had to hone down. And these are all things that I want to share with you because we're all going to face many, many moments where we just don't know how we can handle what's been placed in our lap. But we can. I promise we can. And we can do it together. All right, so that was a bit of a rabbit trail. And I haven't even put the icing on the cake yet. It's about halfway through that nanny position that I mentioned. I got pregnant (laughs) with baby number three. And that was my hardest pregnancy. And uh, nearing the end of it, we... Uh, My husband found a job in Georgia. We wanted to get closer to family in Florida and also obviously wanted to get a job in which I did not have to nanny anymore because I was entering the homeschool stage with my older kids and I did not have to try to do that while nannying. And so we moved to Georgia uh, about two weeks before Charlie was born. And what we think happened in hindsight, I had never had an issue passing my um, gestational diabetes test. But just the move, I mean, it wasn't a bad move. I wasn't stressed as in negatively so. But when you're eight months, over eight months pregnant and you're moving across the country, it's going to be stressful on your body no matter what. And so... We really think that maybe the just the physical stress of that move so late in the pregnancy, I was overweight. Um, I hadn't eaten great during that pregnancy. I had a lot of um, just a lot of stress eating. It was during the nannying phase. And no, I wasn't handling all my stress great. Uh, and so a lot of that I can share how I learned from that as well. And so I was not healthy. Uh, My kids had healed guts, but I wasn't giving that same attention to mom. Also didn't know. I knew about healing and um, trying to eliminate foods that could be triggering, but I didn't know a lot about getting the nutrition base that we needed. I'm going to learn that after baby number three. (laughs) Give you a little spoiler there. Uh, And so... I was overweight. I wasn't healthy. I had a lot of physical stress for several months. And uh, I could just tell once we moved, of course, I had decided that I was going to get completely moved in before I gave birth. And I was going to be able to cook a couple months of dinners in advance that I could put in the freezer. So the two weeks between the move and the birth were still 
very physically stressful. And I could, it's hard for me to describe, but I could just something, I could tell something was wrong. I knew I was big because I knew it was, he was predicted to be a big baby and I was overweight, but it was something more. I could just tell it's like I was, my belly was growing quickly, but the number was actually dropping on the scale. I was constantly hungry and thirsty and I felt like something was just pulling the life out of me. I don't even know how else to describe it. And so I decided to go in for a special appointment and just get checked out. And he was measuring big, uh, but they said, let's go ahead and check your blood sugar. And my blood sugar was not significantly off, but it was off. And uh, they wondered if maybe just the, you know, maybe I was on the verge. Obviously, I was unhealthy. I was not eating healthy foods. So maybe I was on the verge. And then just the physical stress of the move pushed me over the edge. And once your blood sugar is out of whack, this already big baby was quickly growing. Um, mostly water weight, probably, but still. And so they said, you're practically due anyway, so we're going to go ahead and induce. And so they did induce, but it didn't take. My body was saying, nope, nope. So it ended up being a uh, C-section, and Charlie came out at a whopping 12 pounds a week and a half before his due date. And I will say Daniel came out at 11 pounds, but he was two weeks late. Uh, so there was a significant difference there. I was, and then Charlie, uh, because maybe blood sugar stuff, maybe C-section, maybe I don't know. He had some fluid in his lungs, and he had, so he had to go to NICU, and he stayed there for two weeks. Not all the NICU nurses, of course. Charlie, they love Charlie because he is by far the biggest NICU baby we've ever seen. They say, <laughs> and so. Um, he stayed in there for two weeks, which was hard because the, hospital, the only hospital that we could get into at that late time, because we just moved there, obviously I didn't have, you know, I wasn't going anywhere before that outside of Illinois. So the only one that was willing to take us for an appointment that late in the pregnancy was uh, 45 minutes from our house. So of course, that's also the hospital that he stayed in the NICU in for two weeks and of course I had a c-section scar and so uh, going to visit him it was a difficult time but we got beyond it and uh, once he was safe he was healthy he was home I was able to step back and reevaluate and fully absorb my wake-up call and that's that's what I would call that time is my wake-up call I had spent so much time so much time figuring out Daniel's skin figuring out how to remove toxins from my children's diet how to figure out what was uh, triggering him and by the way 
a couple months before we moved to Illinois, I found an elimination diet that removed coconut. Coconut. It's not that common of a trigger. And a lot of elimination diets include it because it's considered a very healthy food. And so uh, none of the others had eliminated it. <laughs> and this one did. And that was his trigger. Coconut. All along, it was coconut. So I was able, make that long story short, I was able to remove the coconut, continue him on a healing diet. And with the trigger out of his life, his skin healed up, continued on a healing diet, resealed his gut, and was able to reintroduce coconut. And he, he's fine with it now. So praise the Lord. So... But I will, I'm here to say, and I want to talk more, a lot more about this in the future, but removing toxins and resealing the gut is a very different path than supplying nutrients. You can remove toxins. It's, it's two, two very important aspects, removing the bad and giving the good. And by the time I'd had Charlie... I was drastically overweight, like we're talking 120 pounds. Uh, my teeth were decaying all over. I had blood sugar issues. Um, and then each baby that I had had an increasing number of issues. So Charlie came out and shortly thereafter had eczema as well. Thankfully, I was able to turn him around a lot quicker because of all the research I'd done with Daniel. He was coconut and eggs. So I was able to pull those out about six to nine months, heal his gut. Uh, the younger the baby is, the quicker their gut can reseal. And so then I was able to reintroduce both of those ingredients and he's on them and fine with them today. Uh, but he, you know, Heidi, essentially no health issues. Daniel, really bad eczema. Charlie, rough birth, uh, you know, a few blood sugar issues at the beginning, eczema, yada, yada. And so I, my body was declining. And each baby that I had was declining in health. And so four weeks after Charlie was born, COVID hit and we were in lockdown. It was, that was another very difficult time because for a very different reason, obviously the nannying time, the move to Illinois and research Daniel's skin was very difficult just because I felt like I was, I'd lived in the same town with all my family and friends for all my life. And all of a sudden we were on a different side of the country and, you know, I felt like I was, you know, having to face this, we were having to face this alone. And it was, you know, our, our, the doctors were saying, we've got nothing. And so it was us having to figure this out alone. And that's a lot to ride on your shoulders, as I'm sure all of you can imagine if you haven't experienced something like that. I know of a lot of us have. We have kids with health issues that we're needing to figure out. And then the nannying was difficult just because of the level of physical and emotional stress, the number of you know, plates I had to hold up in the air. But then the COVID was a new level of lonely. 
because I'm not judging anyone who is concerned about COVID. It was never a huge concern for us. Uh, we, I mean, in the first few months, maybe there was some fear, but after that, it wasn't driven as much by fear as as much by just our circumstances. You have to understand, we moved to Georgia two weeks before Charlie was born. And we were moving in and, you know, prepping for the birth. I didn't have a chance to meet anybody. Or, you know, look for, we didn't look for a church yet or anything like that. And then he was born and he had two weeks in the NICU. I had a C-section scar. And then we were in the newborn phase. And so four weeks after he was born, we still hadn't, you know, looked for a church yet or met any, you know, gone to any mom groups. The only people we knew or that my husband Josh knew was his co-workers. And then lockdown hit. And a few weeks after that, you know, we were like, you know, we're, we're not, we're not that concerned about COVID. We want to get back out and, you know, make friends, but parks were closed. Churches were closed. Uh, any, you know, mom groups were closed. Any place to meet people, libraries closed. There was nowhere to go to socialize. And literally for about a seven month span, the only people I saw outside of my husband and children were the doctor at follow-up appointments for the C-section and like, you know, cashiers at the grocery store. And then a couple times family visited from Florida, but other than that, it was just us and my husband was working long hours. And so it was mostly just me and the kids. And again, wouldn't relive that time for anything. But looking back, each one of these difficult seasons, I had the opportunity to wallow in the difficulty of it all or to recognize what needed to be done and learn and grow from it. And I didn't necessarily make a conscious decision one way or the other at the time, but I'm very thankful that I, again, praise the Lord, found the motivation to choose to recognize what I needed to get done and plow ahead and do it. So after Charlie was born and I had my wake-up call that not only I, but our entire family needed to somehow find better health. The research began again, and I will say, when you're home alone, just you and your kids, they all still have nap times, fairly early bedtimes. It does increase your availability to research and get things done. I learned quite a high level of efficiency through the nannying phase, and so I was able to be quite efficient in my research and uh, implementation of that research. The first, uh, I would say, area of research and learning was tackling the blood sugar issue because we knew we wanted to have one more child and we wanted it to not be too far spaced from Charlie 
so that, you know, Heidi and Daniel had their close buddies. And then we had a three year break where we were moving, you know, Illinois to a new place in Illinois and trying to get our finances in order. And then we had Charlie and we wanted him to have a close buddy too. And so I knew I needed to figure out how to control my blood sugar through the next pregnancy. And that's some things like reaching goal weight and things like that, and really finding ultimate health for myself might have to wait until after baby number four. But what I needed to do was get my blood sugar under control because it's harder to do that in a pregnancy. And then I needed to know that I was getting in a level of nutrients that even if I couldn't repair myself yet, I could give enough to baby. And that is something that if you are wanting to have kids or more kids or you are currently pregnant, that is something that can give you peace of mind that even if you have personal health issues that you need to resolve while you're pregnant, your body will give preference to the baby. So that if you're not getting a, a lot of nutrients in, that's going to leave you pretty stripped down. But it is good to know that the baby gets preference. That was a very reassuring thing to me. So I needed during the, between having Charlie and getting pregnant again, I needed to figure out how to get blood sugar under control and get in a level of nutrients that will, would supply enough for baby number four. And that was my area of research during that time. And I was fairly successful at that. I was uh, low carb during my pregnancy with Rosie, had flawless blood sugar the entire time, gained less weight, and she was born at six and a half pounds. So that'll give you an idea that there was, I do, I think, make big babies because she very quickly caught up in size uh, as far as, you know, clothing size or whatever they do. All my babies have gone through sizes pretty rapidly there at the get-go, but I think that they have had some water weight upon birth, uh, except for Rosie, and that has added weight. <clears throat> so, and Rosie never had the eczema. She uh, had, you know, was 100% healthy, zero issue from birth. Uh, again, a healthy weight, um, a lot, just overall has been a lot healthier. And so I do feel like the changes I made during those months between having Charlie and getting pregnant with Rosie and then how I ate during the pregnancy with Rosie and while nursing Rosie uh, made a world of difference. And uh, I've continued to research after that, continued to implement everything that I've learned. But we did decide we were at times thrown around five to six kids. But I just knew we, we, we both realized uh, I was still quite overweight. So it's hard to focus on weight loss, you know, when you're pregnant. And I, I needed, my body needed me to be able to focus on me, to stop uh, sending the nutrients that I was getting in to someone else. <laughs> and so four is our perfect number. We're done now. And uh, we are so blessed with the four now healthy babies that we have. And so then 
Uh, I nursed Rosie for a year, and I was very particular about my nutrient intake during that time. I did do some focus on weight loss, but my first priority, obviously, was making sure my body was feeling comfortable um, keeping up the milk supply, because that is a switch that happens once a baby's born. When the baby's inside, your body's going to give preferential treatment to the baby above all else. But once the baby's born, if your body feels like you're not receiving enough nutrients or enough calories even, uh, you will lose your milk supply. Uh, and so that keeping a good milk supply was my first priority. And so I lost about 30 pounds while nursing her, but I never lost weight. I never tended to lose weight just because of nursing. I was never, my body never did that. And so it was very intentional, even losing that 30 pounds. But um, one thing that I did learn, and I like to use this analogy, is with receiving nutrients, a lot of people will say, you know, when you're pregnant or you're nursing, you're you're doing so much, your body's doing so much, you're working so hard, you should, if you have cravings or just want to eat something, you should be able to do that and live a little, you know, you deserve it. And I totally get that because it's very hard. At times being pregnant and even nursing has its challenges. But there is a very large flaw in that way of thinking. And that is something I, I did a lot of emotional eating and self-pity eating <laughs> during Charlie's pregnancy. And I realized how flawed that thinking was because, you know, people often say a woman's body is made to make babies. So, you know, that's just what it's going to do. But the analogy I like to use is that a car is made to drive, but it still needs gas. It still can't do its job if it doesn't have the right fuel. And so, yes, our bodies are made to make babies. But there's certain essential nutrients. When something's called essential nutrient, it means it's essential for us to consume. It means our bodies can't make it on their own. And if we don't consume it, our body can't use it. It can't give it. It can't do anything with it because it doesn't have it. And a lot of those essential nutrients are very essential in making a healthy baby. Not all of them are essential in making a baby in general. So you might still be able to get pregnant, although some women are so deficient in nutrients that they can't even get pregnant, or maybe they can't carry a pregnancy to term because their body simply says, I don't have enough nutrient building blocks to build this baby. But some are able to carry to term and deliver, but then there's health issues or mental issues or you know, even down the road, autoimmune conditions or whatever it looks like, allergies, eczema, whatever. If there is a physical issue that is not contagious, it's not like a virus that's caught and it's in your child, it's most likely something that was missing a building block that would have made whatever aspect of them healthier if your body had it, had, 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 had it. 
during pregnancy or nursing. And I'm not saying that to create guilt if you have a child who's facing that. Although I will say that was a struggle of mine for a while. And it's a completely irrational struggle because you can't use information you don't have. So I did not know this at the time. And so there's nothing I could have done about it. And as soon as I did know it, I did something about it. And so that is something we have to remember and something I want to share a lot more about is what nutrients we need to consume. And that although pregnancy might be one of the most difficult times, it's also the most important time to make sure that your body and then your baby are getting the nutrients that they need. So another rabbit trail, but let's continue. (laughs) So when Rosie was six months old, we uh, moved to Florida. My husband was actually uh, laid off from COVID complications with the company. They were struggling. And so we didn't have a job. And we decided if we're going to be jobless (laughs) and look for a fresh start, we're going to do it near family and support. So we moved back to Florida and I became a caretaker for my mom who has Parkinson's uh, for about eight months while my husband was trying to find a job. And uh, that was another area, time of growth, very thankful for it. It's financially what we needed. And uh, it was just a great time being able to, for the kids to spend so much time with the grandparents. Um, But again, I had four kids in tow now. And we were leaving the home, you know, eight o'clock in the morning and getting back at, you know, we'd stay there, prepare dinner and we'd stay till after dinner. And so get back, you know, eight o'clock at night, I guess we'd leave around nine o'clock in the morning, get back around seven thirty, eight o'clock at night. And then, you know, I was still keeping up our home. That point, I was keeping up, you know, with homeschooling. We would take some time during nap time to try to fit in some homeschooling. Uh, some would happen in the evenings, and um, you know, maintaining any food prep at the house that we needed to. Still, you know, I learned not only what I'd learned about removing toxins and healing through Daniel, but through Charlie and Rosie, I'd also learned about bringing in a lot of nutrient-dense foods. But that still equaled you know, everything made from scratch, you know, bone broths and fermented and the whole nine yards. And so a lot of food prep. And then, um, then when Josh found a job, so that was, that was a, a a good growing time again, kind of like the nanny time, but with, you know, four kids in tow and just a different season. And just again, learning to hone down my skills for no matter what life throws at you, continuing to run the home efficiently, continuing to, you know, train up the children in the way they should go, continuing to maintain our family's health, continuing to research and learn and grow in all of these areas. And, uh, you know, at homeschooling on top of that. So again, a lot of these times I wouldn't necessarily ask to relive because they were hard, but I wouldn't trade them for the world. And I wouldn't be the woman I am today without them. And honestly, I wouldn't be here today. Mom's fine truth would not exist today 
if I hadn't had to learn all the information that I'm now turning around and trying to share to young moms before you have to learn it the hard way. And so then about eight months after we moved to Florida, Josh got a good full-time job and I was able to become a leisurely stay-at-home mom again of four kids, seven and under. And uh, I decided that it was time to tell the tale. (laughs) So shortly after uh, he got the full-time job, I started staying home full-time again. I started uh, building Moms Find Truth. And it started off as a YouTube channel, but I, which don't go look for it because I deleted it. I, that did not last long because I realized I just, I kept getting frustrated because I couldn't get across the message that I wanted to. I felt like everything I shared, it wasn't a big enough picture. And what I mean by that is a lot of moms have asked me, for instance, how did you heal your kids' guts and heal their eczema? Or how did you uh, transform your diet to support your nutrition level during pregnancy? Or, you know, how do you do, you know, a full-time caretaking job or nanny job or whatever, and still make all meals from scratch and healing and all that. And it's hard because I, I, there's more to it than that. I, I view being a mom with all the layers of it as a house built on a foundation. Now, the foundation of the home is your bare minimum. I'm not downplaying the intensity of that foundation or the difficulty some days of that foundation. And sometimes, some seasons of life, we feel like we're barely getting by just focusing on the foundation. I get that. Been there, done that. But that is the foundation, I would say, is getting three meals on the table a day, no matter what they consist of, Uh, you know, keeping your children alive, keeping some bare minimum level of cleanliness in your home, Uh, you know, keeping some level of relationship with your husband, you know, the, the, the basics we'll say. And then the house built on top of that foundation is everything else. So homeschooling your kids, or extracurricular activities, or pursuing a deeper relationship with your husband, or concentrated time with your kids, or a hobby, or a business, or researching anything, a healthier diet, a better exercise plan, investing in yourself, improving yourself, whatever you add on top of just the bare minimum of being a wife and homekeeper and mom, that's the house. But do you see, so many of us, our foundation is built on sand. We wake up in the morning feeling behind. We have no structure or systems or organization to our home. And our method of maintaining our foundation is to wake up 
and just try to survive the craziness and put out fires as fast as we can. Ending our day feeling completely unproductive, feeling like we haven't gotten anywhere on our to-do list, feeling like our home is in, and perhaps children's behavior is in worse shape than when we started our day. And then our husband walks through the door at night and he tries to be sweet and gracious, but you see that look on his face that says, uh, what did you do today? <laughs> and you're like, I know it looks like I did nothing, but believe me, I've been working my tail off all day. And we all know that we all have been there. And we can't even fathom adding extracurricular stuff or, you know, transforming our family's health or helping our own health or getting in better shape or investing just investing in more in our children or our husband or improving our home or starting a hobby or starting a business or any of that. We can't even fathom touching that because just our baseline, our foundation is out of control. And that is the problem that I kept facing. People were wanting to know how I built my house. But their foundation was built on sand. It was falling apart. And so I would sit there and I'd walk them through how I, you know, cooked the food and, you know, where I sourced my ingredients and how I researched elimination diets and yada, yada, yada. And I would just get this look of overwhelm or they might try to tackle it, but then it would last for a week or two because I just can't. I, I can't, and I I know, and I know why. Because you have to fix the foundation first. And so all that to say, little 10, 15, even 20-minute YouTube videos hitting this topic and that topic, it wasn't cutting it. Either I would try to give a glimpse into rebuilding your foundation, but it wasn't enough. Because the foundation in a home with cleaning and cooking and children and husband and all of it has so many layers to it. It can't you can't give a 15 minute YouTube video and have it fix all. Or my YouTube videos would cover, you know, some of the building a house portion of it. But all I was getting back was, oh, that sounds great, but I can't because the foundation wasn't rebuilt yet. And so that, when I became a stay-at-home mom, again, I decided to pull back. I had a dear friend make a suggestion, right, when I was in the peak of frustration with YouTube, that I build a course or courses, however many it took to take what I'd learned over the past almost decade of ups and downs and share it in a step-by-step, easy-to-manage, easy-to-accomplish way. Build on it. Rebuild the foundation first and then build the house. And so, drum roll, (laughs) I am now introducing Moms Find Home Management, 
which is the first course of four that I am planning on releasing in the not too distant future. So the brand is Moms Find Truth. That's what the brand Facebook page, Instagram, podcasts, all of that is under. And then the courses will have their own membership pages and Facebook pages and coaching programs and all that, depending on what level um, of assistance you would like, how involved you would like me to be. And this first course, Moms Find Home Management, is step-by-step, module-by-module, rebuilding your foundation. Each module has homework at the end, that gives my suggestion of what to achieve before beginning the next module. So none of it leads to overwhelm. It's all one step at a time. Every home's different. Every starting point's different. Every child and mom and dad and everything is different. There is no rush. There is no comparisons. We're rebuilding your foundation to set you up for success for the rest of your life. Not only will this transform the running of your home, the feel of your home, but it's going to lead you to be able to accomplish so much more. You want to reclaim your family's health. This will set you up to be able to invest in that. You want to start a business or a hobby. This will release you your mental space and schedule space to be able to do that. You want to be able to invest more in your kids or your spouse, this will not only change the atmosphere of your home and make everyone a lot happier and calmer and set you up well for investment, but it will give you the time and the mental space to do so. So it's a ga- redoing your foundation is a game changer. And I can't stress that enough. All those other things that you want to accomplish, they're waiting for this to be done. And so yes, taking on a course which is going to take some level of time to implement. It's just like a business who's grown too big to and needs to start hiring help. There's going to be a minute where you're going to have to, where you hire someone, but you're going to have to do the work that was overwhelming plus train them to take over some work. But that's going to be very short-lived and then the rewards are going to be worth every moment. So if you feel like I have described you, that your foundation's out of control and there's so much you want to accomplish and just can't and you're spinning your wheels, this is what you need. And it's going to be worth every moment that you invest. And if the alternative is you spinning your wheels and not being able to accomplish what you know your heart needs to accomplish for the rest of your time that your kids are living in your home, you can't afford not to. I want this for you. I want to be here every step of the way. So this course will walk you through step by step. And then once you join, there's a Facebook group specific to the course that you can then join, members only. So my goal is to continue to grow a community of like-minded moms that are here to encourage each other every step of the way. 
So what I've tried to do is I've tried to take everything, everything that I've learned over this past almost decade of ups and downs, and I have put everything I've learned, everything I've implemented into an easy to follow, manageable step-by-step. And then I've tried to make it all, all of those times that I was at my wit's end and desperate for someone who I could just go and say, what do I do now? Hitting my head against the brick wall. I don't know what the next thing, I don't know, I don't want to start researching from scratch again, not even knowing where I'm going from here. I just need someone to walk this with me. So many times I wanted that. And that's what I'm trying to be here. Give you my information, but then be there and create a community of moms that can be there, that have been there, done that, have walked the steps that you're now walking and answer the questions or can just say, I know it's so hard sometimes, but you're doing a great job. It doesn't matter if you just hit another dead end. One, maybe I can give you a suggestion of where to go next. Two, I can remind you that it's not failure unless you give up. So I'm here to tell you just don't give up. You, as long as you're putting your heart and soul into it, you're an awesome mom and you're doing a great job. That is what I hope I can share. And I hope to see you on the other side. There's a link below where you continue to learn more information. If you decide to follow that link, I can't wait to walk this journey with you. If you decide to hang out here, I can't wait to continue interacting with you and hearing from you and and sharing with you via this podcast. Well, I guess that's it. Enough about me. (laughs) Enough from my first podcast ever. So next time, I want to hear more about you. What do you want me to share? Check into Instagram and Facebook. Let me know what's on your heart, what questions you have, what topics you want me to cover. See you next time.